0: This is KMTT, Kim Itzion Torah. In this winter semester, we'll be sending out a series of shiurim on understanding minhagim, different minhagim of uh, Rabbanim in the last uh, couple of generations. be delivered by Harav Benjamin Tavoy. In a year of shiurim about minhagim, of our rabbis, and mostly I talked about the Vilna Gaon and the Salavechik family, it would be really remiss not to talk about Reb Chaim's attitude toward Pikuach Nefesh. We know that the halachos here, in terms of sources, are complicated. We'll deal a little bit with them. But by the nature of the topic, many of the points that will be made, are based on stories and a lot of reports of what Reb Chaim himself did. We'll begin with the question of Pekrach Nefesh on Shabbos. In the book called Halichos Hagrach, it mentioned there that Reb Chaim felt that even in a Sveik Sveika, the the din it would be that you're Mechal Shabbos. Now, how far does a Sveik faker go? The Shulchan Aruch pointed out if a fire broke out in one area and maybe it would come to another area and maybe there would be Sakana, so you were allowed to put out the fire. And he brings another case there also of a Sveik faker. So, Reb Chaim felt Sveik sveka, you could be The stories that are told are rather remarkable. A person asked him if you could be Mikhail shabbos to save a person from going to the Russian army, and, Reb, and the person said that you're allowed. Reb Chaim answered that you're allowed, and why was that true? So he said that it could be. That if the son goes, if the boy goes to the army for a number of years, maybe war will break out. If war breaks out, maybe he'll be sent to the front. And there, there is Pikrach Nefesh. That's called the Sveik Sveika of Pikrach Nefesh. Now, other stories are brought in this Sefer to tell you how much Reb Chaim was insistent upon being Michal Shabbos. And of course, the well-known line is, that they said to Reb Chaim, you seem to be a big Mekil on Hilcha Shabbos. And Reb Chaim's answer was, I'm not a makel on Hilcha Shabbos, I'm a machmir in the laws of Pekrach Nefesh. But in truth, some of these stories that are told seem to be rather remarkable in Reb Chaim's attitude toward Pekrach Nefesh on Shabbos. The story was told by Rav Salavechik and also quoted in the Sefer, I quoted other places that one time when the Rav was a little child and he was ill on Friday night, and a doctor came to see him. Reb Chaim asked the doctor if there's enough, another enough light to check the young fellow, and the doctor answered, "Yes, there's enough." Reb Chaim asked him, "Would there, would it help if we increase the light?" and the doctor said, yeah, it would be okay. He didn't seem to feel that it was really, really necessary. But Reb Chaim immediately told people to go light, adjust the light, bring more light. And he felt that anyone who did not listen to what he said immediately was really incorrect. You should do exactly what he said. Now, this area, this topic of what the possibility of pikrach nefesh is, in order to be allow cheloshabbos, is really a question that people have discussed and written about. Rabbi Kiva Eger in a tshuva, wrote that you don't need a sakana, you don't even need a suffix sakana. If there's a far-fetched chance, and he uses the words Achas mini elef, one in a thousand that a sakana could come about. Normally, we wouldn't think it's really sakana. We don't even think it's a su- suffix sakana, because maybe there could be a sakana that would be enough to be Michal Shabbos. Rav Shlomo Zalman quoted this in his Sefer Mincha Shlomo Chedek Beis, Simen Chavtes. And Rav Shlomo Zalman commented, basically, what is considered a subject pikurach nefesh and what's not? How do we de- determine it? I, Shlomo Zaman wrote in his modesty, I in my onyi, my uh, poverty, my paucity of knowledge, I thought about this a lot. And I thought just based on my own understanding that if most people think that this is a sakana and they would try to escape it, then that's a tzachikirach nefesh. But if most people don't fear this at all, then it's not considered sakana And he gave an example of giving shots to children. If the parents would immediately feel that the shot is necessary, they would do anything to do it immediately. and Then you could... A, such an, an example you could do on Shabbos I, I'm not discussing whether the if the shot is really I'm just trying to give an example or Rabbi Shalmuz gave an example of a case where people consider it so important that you can be Michal Shabbos in such a case but if people don't consider it a Sakana then Rabbi Shalmuz thought that would not be enough of a a reason to be Michal Shabbos I really wonder what would Rabbi Chaim have said about this particular issue. The stories that were written, and there are other stories in the book, seem to be even much more far-fetched cases of bikrach nefesh. And let's also remember that a sveik sveika in Reb Chaim's vocabulary in a halacha was not even considered a major halachic issue. In terms of yoredeya. Reb Chaim felt, as opposed to other people, that Sveik Sveika did not even create what would he called a Leidah Safek. It's not even a real safek. Halacha didn't deal with Sveik Sveika. Yet on Shabbos, the parameters of Sveik Sveika are different. And we do consider Sveik Sveika a real Suffolk in Halacha, where we would allow you to be Mechal Shabbos. How far would this go? The case of the fellow being drafted by the by the army when at, at peacetime, when maybe war will break out, maybe he'll be drafted, maybe he'll go to the front. Uh, it's a lot, a lot of uh, Sveikos there. And yet, Reb Chaim Paskin, that you can be with Shabbos. I wonder what Reb Chaim would say and the discussion with Reb Kiv Eger and Reb Shlomo Zalman. Part of the major discussion about Pikrach Nefesh in general is, do we say Pikrach Nefesh is Hutra or Duchuya? Now the general understanding is that Hutra u means, Hutra means that if a person is, has a, a case where he has to do something that's generally usr, but in this particular case, for whatever reason it's permitted, Hutra would mean there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's Mutter. The other uh, idea of Duchuya would mean that if you have a choice between doing A or B, and sometimes A beats B, so you'll say that you're allowed to do A, but basically, it's not that there's no Easter in what you're doing. There is an Easter. But it's better to do this Iser than the alternative. For whatever reason, Dukhuya, For example, um, you're allowed to wear tzitzis made out of shatnes, made out of kilayim. So, you might hold that hutra. The Beged of Shatnes is permitted in tzitzes. There's no Easter at all. Or you might learn, really, it's not permitted. But since you only have one pair of tzitzes, the mitzvah of tzitzes would overcome the Easter of Shatnes. The simple nafkamina, the simple difference between these two understandings, in terms of tzitzes, would be what Reish Lakish said. If a person has one pair of tzitzes, for sure the only pair he has is made out of shatnes kilayim. he's allowed to wear it. But what would happen if he has two pairs of tzitzes? If tzitz is hutra, then you're allowed to wear either pair. If you would say duchuya, then you would say that he should wear only the pair that does not, the tzitzes that do not have shatnes in them. In general, there are a number of areas in halacha where A overcomes B. For example, B bringing karbanos on Shabbos, for example, doing a bris on Shabbos. In all the cases that we raise this issue of A, overcoming B, we would be able to ask the question, if is it hutra or duchuya? And you do not necessarily have to give the same answer in each case. Some things might be hutra, and some things might be duchuya. The real question that we are going to discuss, by the way, the this discussion, the way I pointed it out, Hutra Duchuya is the classic understanding of Hutra and Duhuya. There is a very interesting Sefer by Rav Rifkin, who was Rosh Hashiva and Tarvadas, who wrote a Sefer called Teferis Tzion. In his Sefer, he questions this definition very much and suggests a new possibility of understanding Hutra and Duhuya. He begins with one assumption. Is it possible that the Torah told you to do it and yet it's wrong? How could it be that the Torah told you to do something that at the end you're going to say, well, you do an Avera ki'ilu beheter. And therefore, he reinterprets the whole Machlokas. But let's go back to the concept of Shabbos. Is Shabbos hutra or duchuya? Now, if we read the Rambam in Ilcho Shabbos, Perek Be'ez, Halach Aleph, just by the way, Professor Chaim Salavechik wrote a very interesting article to explain why the laws of Pichuach Nefesh are in, in Perek Beis. Before the Rambam really gets into Hilcho he talks about Pichuach Nefesh. It's an interesting article in, in the order of the Rambam of Hilcho But the Rambam does say, Perek Beis halacha Aleph Duhu Shabbos, Eitzel Sakanos Nefashos, Kish'ar Kola That sentence is really laden with shades of meaning. The Ramam used the words that Shabbos is Duhuya like other mitzvahs by Pikroch Nefesh. Now, the simple meaning of the words Duhuya Hi Shabbos would teach us that Shabbos is Duhuya and therefore it's really wrong to be Michal Shabbos to save someone's life but the greater good Pikroch Nefesh defeats it but it's k'ilu that you're doing, uh, uh, the Easter Shabbos is there, t'uchuyei Shabbos. But then the Ram goes on to say, leficha chole sheyesh bo sakana osim lo And therefore, a person who is, in his life is in danger, you're allowed to do kol tzorachav. Now what does kol tzorachav mean? Kol seems to mean Whatever. That's the way the Maganishness seems to have interpreted. You're allowed to do whatever. Even things that are not necessarily pikuach nefesh. If you would say that that's duchuya, why would you allow to do kotzerachav? Unless you reinterpret and say kotzerachav only means kotzerachav for saving his life. But everything else would be forbidden. I think that Reb Chaim interpreted as the Magid Mishnah, that you're allowed to do whatever, anything at all. But as we continue in the Rambam, we'll see perhaps an even greater problem. In Halacha Gimel, it says, when you do save a person's life on Shabbos, you should not do it by non-Jews, not by minors, not by slaves, not by women. In order, the Shabbos should not be mistreated. But it should be done by gedolah Yisrael Vachachameyim. gedolah Yisrael might really mean the biggest hamerichachamim, or it might only mean G'dolay Yisrael the, as opposed to Ktanim, adults. Now, why would you be allowed to do pikrach nefesh by Jews if a non-Jew is readily available. Why wouldn't you say Shabbos is Duchuya, as the Ram seems to have said clearly? And then you could do the Malacha by a non-Jew, would be obviously pre- preferable. Why did the Ram say you're allowed to do it by a, a G'dol Israel L'Chatechila? As a matter of fact, the Shulchan Aruch, in Simin Shin Chavches says like the Rambam, but with a little difference in in language. The Shulchan Aruch says he doesn't use the word Gedola Yisrael. By the way, he says Yisrael Gedolim, Yisrael, adults. But the Rambam says when you are Mechalal Shabbos for a choleshiposakana, we try not to do it by a nunju, not by children and women, but by adults who are of intelligence. So it does seem to be a formulation similar to the Rambam that we should do it, preferably by Gdola Yisrael. Again, if Shabbos is Duchuya, why would you do that? The Rama says if you can do it by a nunju without any any hesitation on his part, then you could should do it by a nunju, and that's the custom. So you see that the Rama seems to say fairly clearly that Duhuya. The Taz, quoted by the Mishnah Burr says that I don't think it's a good idea a Jew will do it better. He'll take Pekrach Nefesh more seriously and therefore a Jew. But it's only because pragmatically he thinks a Jew would do better. But it seems that they hold the The source of the Mechaber and the Ramah is found in Rishon the Arzaruah and others. The Ramah quotes the Arzaruah. I'd like to read for a moment the Yireim. The Yireim says... We should we can do pikach nefesh by adults v'dola yisrael like the words of the Rambam, but he said that's only if it would be a delay to find a non Jew. But if there is no delay and there is no or there is no problem of delaying, then you should do it by a non Jew. And the Tawafos Reim discusses the Rambam. The problem is, of the Rambam, if it's Duhuya, why are you really allowed to do it by G'dol Israel? I heard in the name of Reb Chaim, but really it's printed more clearly in the Chidushim of the Ragechever, in the Tzafnas Paneach. In the Tzafnas Paneach, on that Rambam in Hilcho Shabbos, hi Shabbos, he said, Ratzel Loma, the rak sakana The Rambam meant to say, "Don't think that there is something wrong; you're doing something wrong." But sakana overrides it. Rak the sakana, but the concept of shabbos is pushed away because of the sakana. Now, most people did not read the Rambam that way. They read the Ram Dukhuya Shabbos that the Ram meant Dukhuya, and therefore, as I pointed out, the problems of why is it done by a non-Jew? Why could it, why could it, why should it be done by a Jew rather than by a, why, why should it be done by a Jew rather than a non-Jew? Or what called Sarko means, present problems. However, the Shaffer, some somehow took the word Dukhuya Shabbos and said not the Easter of Shabbos is, is d- Dukhuya. Shabbos is Dukhuya. And he, again, in Halakha base, when the Rambam says shol he says the Gabi chole af she hein below hein lo yamos. Even if what you're doing for him will not endanger his life, you're not saving his life. You're doing things that he, because he is mesukan, he is sheish basakana osim how far do we take Osim Loh I once heard, but again, I do not have this in print, but I once heard, at least I don't know where it is in print, but I once heard that Reb Chaim said, whatever he asks for, you give him. Even though the doctors, not even he, really think that this is an issue of Pikroch Nefesh, but to Chuyah Shabbos, it's as if for him, it's not Shabbos at all. It's a remarkable perush in the (coughs) Rambam, but I think that's what Reb Chaim understood, that Shabbos was hutra and not duchuya, although the simple meaning of the words of the Rambam seemed to say duchuya, he Shabbos. (coughs) Let's leave the laws of Shabbos for a moment and go to the laws of Yom Kippur. The Shulchan Aruch says that a woman who's pregnant and feels she has to eat, so normally a pregnant woman has to fast on Yom Kippur. When I was once a rabbi in a shul, so a number of women came to me and asked me, if and told me they were pregnant, would they have to fast on Yom Kippur? And you have to explain to them, at least I felt I had to explain to them, that a pregnant woman is basically healthy. She's not sick. There's no specific reason that she should eat. Of course, she could consult with a doctor, a doctor who understands what it means to fast, what it means, what her her particular state is. And obviously, if there's any special reasons, then you have to speak to the medical doctor and then consult a rabbi. (coughs) But in general, just because she's pregnant doesn't mean she's allowed to eat on Yom Kippur. However, the Shulchan Aruch says that a woman who's pregnant, who feels that she has to eat. So you give her food to eat exactly how much to give her and how much time and how much water, liquid. That's not the issue right now. But the idea is It's well known that Reb Chaim did not approve of this practice, which was, became a general practice for every cholashi. Reb Chaim would say to the person, that you should eat regularly. The, uh, case of Reb Chaim Unyam Kippur was again attacked by many people because they said in the Shulchan Aruch, it says clearly that a muberis, a pregnant lady, <coughs> should not eat Unyam Kippur more than, uh, more than a shiur. The Reb Velvul explained this in his Sefer, Chidushei Hagon Hagan Reb Yitzhak Rambam, and again, this is very well known in the world of Reb Chaim. The Reb Chaim said, this law of eating on Yom Kippur less than a shiur is only in the case of a mu'uberes, a pregnant woman. Because as I mentioned before, a pregnant woman is not sick. But if she feels that she's going to be sick, then we allowed her to eat Pachos Mikeshiur. That halacha Pachos Mikeshiur is only in the case where a person is not in a situation of Sakana, but we're afraid he might come to a situation of Sakana. In that case, there is a din that you should give Pachos Pachos Mikeshiur. But... In the case where a person is really sick, then eating is good for him, and there's no Easter to eat, and therefore he should eat regularly without shiurim. When Reb Chaim was asked about this many times, his son reported, and this is quoted in this book that I use, Ali Agrach. the, gr- the rebel Re- 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 said, that his father always used to give another reason. Whenever anybody asked him about eating in Yom Kippur, Sir Reb Chaim would say why it's good for him to eat, why in this particular case it's good for him to eat. But Reb Belville said the truth is the Reb Chaim thought, I don't have to give an explanation. Once he's a chole she sakana, then he's allowed to eat without any limitations whatsoever. He just would add the reason that people shouldn't uh, think that any special reason. But he wanted to make sure that people understood and would eat on Yom Kippur when necessary, when necessary, but eat full a shiur. One of my friends, uh, Rav Horowitz, told me that many, many years ago his wife gave birth and had twins just before Yom Kippur. He went to Rav Velvel and told him that he had twins just before Yom Kippur. So Rebbe said to him, Mazel tav, but please do me a personal favor, and go to your wife and make sure that she eats on Yom Kippur. So the man said to Rebbe I understand she gave birth just before Yom Kippur, I understand you why you told me to, that she should eat on Yom Kippur, but why did you tell me to do me a personal favor? Why is it a personal favor? Because Rebelville said, I know you, I know your family. i am be afraid that your wife will say she'll be machmir. And if she would refuse to eat on Yom Kippur, I would have to come to your house on Yom Kippur to make sure she eats. And I simply don't have the strength to go. So you'll be doing me a personal favor and saving me the trip on Yom Kippur if you make sure that your wife eats on Yom Kippur. Again, this is a, a, an example of Reb Chaim's approach to Pikrach Nefesh, where he was mater on Pikrach Nefesh. It's also known, that when Reb Moshe Salabachik the Rav's father, Reb Chaim's son, went to become a Rav for the first rabbinic position that he held, Reb Chaim said to him certain instructions about being uh, becoming a Rav of a community, and he said to him, "The one thing I request, I'm telling you that you have to paskin. According to my opinion, that a sheish you give him." regular food. That is the basic law of Yom Kippur. There were people who said that they'd rather be machmir. Reb Chaim's approach was that there is no there is an Esor to be machmir because pikrach nefesh is overrides. The laws of Yom Kippur. Someone told me a story that happened in America. A certain elderly gentleman was told by his doctor that he's not allowed to fast in Yom Kippur. And he told the doctor, Look, I'm an old man. What's the worst thing that can happen? The worst is I'll I'll collapse and die. So, okay, I'm an old man. I my whole life I never ate Yom Kippur. I'm not willing to eat on Yom Kippur. The doctor called the local rough and told the Rav that he should make sure that this person eats in Yom Kippur. It's really pikrach nefesh. So the Rav called the person in, and he said to him that I want you to make sure that you eat in Yom Kippur. And the person refused. He said, no, I'm going to fast in Yom Kippur. So the Rav's response to him was that I can't force you to eat. However, I want you to know that if you do fast in Yom Kippur, you will never get another kibbutz in the shul. And the person said, why? I'm just being machmir on Yom Kippur. He said, because the halacha is clear, that you really have to eat on Yom Kippur. But you say that although God, the halacha, told me to eat on Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur to me is more important than ke'ilu, the words of halacha, the words of God. And therefore, you're basically an Oved You're saying Yom Kippur is like something that I have to give a lot of respect to, and it beats the world of halacha. And that is wrong. I felt this, this story is a remarkable story, but it shows how much we take the idea of eating on Yom Kippur very seriously. Achola sheyeshba sakana. The last point that I'll have time for today is eating on fast days. Not Yom Kippur, but let's say Shabbat HaTamaz asar Ribchaim felt not only are you as a cholesh yesh bo sakana allowed to eat, but a cholesh ain bo sakana. Now, cholash cholesh ain bo doesn't mean a person doesn't feel well. Cholash cholesh ain bo needs a halachic definition of what is considered a cholesh ain bo But a cholesh ain bo is not required to fast on a fast day at all. The din of a fast day like shiva Seba Tamaz or Sura are dinim de Rabbanan And they made these dinim, they imposed these dinim on healthy people. But a person who is a cholash, she ain't even a chole she ain't so there's no din of a fast day at all for him. It's not that it's a fast day, but he's allowed to eat. The Chachamim never made it a fast day for him. The Rabbana who made the laws of fast days never made this for him at all. I heard a story once that a Reb Velvel, in his house wanted to make a minion for Mincha on a fast day. And they finally assembled 10 people and were about to dive in. And Reb Velvel told his son, Go get me a different person. I don't want these 10 people. So they asked him why there were 10 people. So he said, Because one of those people had asked Reb Velvel before the fast day if he should fast on that fast day. And Revevel told him not to fast. So his son said, I know that, but he, the bottom line is he did fast. He told me that he fasted. So Revevel said, that fasting is not considered fasting. Since he's a Cholesh in Bosakana, I said for him, it's not a fast day. Now I want 10 people who observe the fast day. Again, this is the point that pikuach Nefesh here is even more than the regular case of pikuach Nefesh. This is a Cholesh in Bosakana. And nevertheless, even for Rebbe Chaim, Rebbe Velvel felt there's no din of at all. One time, a day before a fast day, I went over to the Rav and I said to him, Rebbe, lately I've had a certain stomach problem. And he said to me, alright, you don't have to fast. I said to him, but I didn't explain the situation yet. He said, very, very quickly, look, you know, almost as if it's a waste of his time to explain any further. He said, look, I understood. You have a suffolk if you should fast. And I tell you that if you have a suffolk, if you should fast, then you should eat. So we see that uh, you don't have to be a choler sheyesh bo sakana, but even a choler So the Rav felt, certainly you should eat. And as I explained, it might not even be considered a fast day at all.